The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition today. This ain't rock and roll, this is Genoa sides as Samp dump Diversa and Sheva gets the shover at Genoa. Ligue 1, like number 10, with a runaway leader who lies first and a big case of Bordeaux in the cellar. Bundesliga, Dortmund rocking to Holland quotes as Erling tells them, I can't go for that. And Spain, the Super Cup in Saudi and the madness in Seville. It's the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hey, listener, I've no idea what day of the week it is for you, but we're sat here on a Monday afternoon, 17th of January, as it happens, and I've got James Horncastle here. Hey, James. Hello, everyone. Alvaro Romeo's with us. Hello, guys. Some fresh Julian Laurence. Bonjour, bonjour. Woo. A little bit later, Woo. we'll be hearing from Christoph Biermann. Tell you who's not with us, Raphael Honigstein. Yeah, it's a big week for getting rid of Raffers. And uh, this one, <laughs> Honigstein, he, as you may have seen his announcement on social media Monday, uh, that he's taking a little break from uh, working for The Athletic until June to focus on another project. Well, I wonder what that he might said, be. He it's, said, it's not me, it's, it's you, Jimbo. It's you. That's, yeah. It's you. Yeah. Did he say that? Damn. All right. What other what what other Rafa could get sacked this week? <laughs> what? <laughs> Rafael Nadal, first round of the Australian oh, Open. Oh, okay. Yeah, he went through, my friend. Get out. Okay, second round. Um, <laughs> Rafael. Right. Rafael Leal gets sent off against yeah. uh, Spezia for, for me. Yeah, right. Rafael That's Guerrero Monday. on the transfer list because he's too close yeah. to Haaland and they put pressure on them to decide mm. what, to, what to do. Right. Ray Fiennes? I don't Rafael, know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's probably enough Rafa's getting binned. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, by the way, why not get on social media and say happy birthday to James Horncastle? Yeah. yeah. It's still Monday for us, though. So he's still whatever age he was before he had that birthday. And uh, <laughs> loads of games still haven't happened in City, which is a bit confusing. But uh, hey, we'll get on to all of that later on. Let's talk about the stuff that has happened. And uh, hey, kick off with a moment of the weekend with Paddy Power. Uh, what do you think, uh, Jules? Uh, do you want to lead off? Yes, it will have to be the uh, the 6 0 defeat from Bordeaux, where I ran uh, on Sunday, the heaviest defeat in the league since 1986. They have the lowest tally of points since 1959-60 when they were relegated. It's a disastrous season. Petkovic, as the manager, some, some players have been expelled from the first team, like Laurent Koscielny, the club captain, uh, because the club is not happy with him and his investments, so they say. So it's just a terrible car crash at the moment, and that 6-0 defeat just added even more pressure on the whole situation. Crazy that the bottom two in Ligue 1 at the moment is Bordeaux and Saint-Étienne. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. All right. More on Ligue 1 to come. James Horncastle. Well, I think we have to go to Saturday night in Turin. Paolo Dybala, uh, who was fresh from sort of being told, Paolo, you know that new contract we promised you? Uh, well, 
We're going to take it off the table and maybe come back to you in, in April. He scored a goal, his fourth in his last six games. And uh, he said he, uh, he was looking in the stands for a friend who'd invited. Um, I mean, whether that meant he's got no friends on the Juventus board, I don't know. But it seemed that his his stare was very yeah. much directed at Pavel Nedved. Pavel Nedved, who's, you know, you see ice cold with those kind of glacial blue eyes. But even he seemed kind of yeah. flustered by, by being stared hives. at in that way. Yeah. No, seriously, you can see him literally developing hives, at, you know, in real time in front of your eyes because the director cuts to him there after, after Dybala, who's normally so sweet and mild-mannered, unleashed this kind of weapons-grade Paddington stare at him. And, uh, and yes, and now it's all out in the open how, how Inter want to lure him away at the end of the season. Crikey. All right, looking forward to digging deep into that story and much more besides. Alvaro, what about your moment of the weekend? It has to be Real Madrid winning the Super Cup uh, by beating Athletic Club Bilbao in the final, 2-0, and Real Madrid getting a taste of silverware for the first time in in 18 months, more or less, because mm. they had the trophy last 2021, and uh, also a big, big, big victory for Carlo Ancelotti too, because, uh, you know, after being at Napoli, being at Everton, not winning titles in there, it was, I think, that an special time for Carlo Ancelotti too. Uh, and if he wins La Liga this year, the only trophy he's got left to win with Real Madrid, he will become, I think, the first manager in football history to win the big five five leagues as a manager. So, yeah, it was a very refreshing week for Real Madrid at the expense of Barcelona first and then Athletic Club Bilbao. Wow, all of the big five. Good Lord. Yeah, That'd be extraordinary. Yeah, he's won them all. He needs the, not he needs La Liga, the, not La Liga. Not La Liga. I bet Carlo right now is thinking, oh, if only I'd stayed at Everton. You know, I mean, when Madrid came in for me and said, oh, do you want to come back? And I just loved loved my, my, my time on Merseyside. I mean, yeah. well, uh, if you want, the you can always go back because there's an mm. opportunity there. Mm. All right. Well, much to discuss. And let's begin with Sunday night in Saudi. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus be gambler. Where? Dot org. Ooh, Luka Modric there with a very special goal to open the scoring in the Spanish Super Cup final uh, because of the new format. Uh, as Real Madrid saw off Athletic Bilbao, the second goal coming from the penalty spot by Karim Benzema. Karim the dream! Thank you very much. I was expecting that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it wasn't a patch on the first goal by 36-year-old Luka Modric. Ooh, Alvaro. We've been saying that the whole season. He is phenomenal and he's not only, you know, the best midfielder in the world at that age, uh, or from his age bracket, to put it better, but he's still one of the best midfielders in the world. Uh, he can overrun anybody. 
he scores beautiful goals when it matters and uh, he sets uh, the style of Real Madrid and uh, with or without the ball he's always you know uh, rolling up his sleeves and uh, making sure that he makes a sacrifice for the team so he was excellent again he was good against Barcelona as well maybe against Barcelona he didn't touch the ball so much but generally speaking yes a win for Real Madrid uh, funnily enough it was the first time that Real Madrid beat Athletic Club Bilbao uh, in a one game final mm, mm-hmm. there were uh, five finals before this one uh, all of them in the 20s 30s 40s 50s from the last uh, century and Real Madrid never beat Athletic de Bilbao in a one game final but yes it was a title for Real Madrid um, the game was decided in fine margins probably because there were three handball incidents in the boxes all of them they were rightly called by the referees uh, with VAR, without VAR. There was no controversy in there, but yes, there were marginal wins thanks to the handballs, and mm. then Real Madrid showed their quality when it came to having the chances. Raul García missed the penalty uh, when the scoreline was 2-0 already for Real Madrid, but I think that Athletic may have had a, a small chance to get into the game again, and Real Madrid didn't miss uh, their chances. And uh, they didn't do it either against Barcelona, showing that they are ready. I don't know if for the biggest stages of European football or the biggest nights in European football, a.k.a. Uh, Liverpool, Manchester City, Bayern, but I think that in Spain they have shown this week again why, why they are leading La Liga table and uh, why they are probably the strongest Spanish team in the Champions League. Mm. Very sporting uh... Summary there of the game from you, Alvaro, because, of course, you, your heart was with the opposition athletic club to Bilbao, who were hoping to retain the Super Cup after yeah. last year's triumph over Barcelona and after that emotional semi-final, semi-final uh, win over uh, Atletico de Madrid uh, with the, the wonderful scenes of the Williams brothers uh, and their mother after the final whistle. Yes, uh, that was that was beautiful. Uh, that was very nice because if you know the story of Iñaki Williams and his family, well, his family had to jump a wall um, in Ceuta and Melilla just to get to, to Spain, to cross the Spanish border. And uh, Iñaki Williams uh, is a mentor for his brother Nico as well, to the point that uh, when Nico was given his... Uh, finalist medal after mm. losing to Real Madrid. Nico just took it off. I think that that was a mistake due to his youth. And Iñaki Williams just beckoned him, did the gesture to him, like, put it back again. And Nico put it back again. So, you know, I think that uh, these guys are dignifying Athletic Club Bilbao. And generally speaking, I am kind of happy with uh, the new generation of players that uh, is coming up at Athletic Club Bilbao with uh, Benzedor and Nico Williams and Sunset being probably the best of them, but also then uh, Aguirre Zavala, the goalkeeper, or Serrano, or Zarraga, or Vivian, I think that they are going to establish themselves in the first first team. And uh, I wouldn't like to lose perspective. I think that uh, we have lost a lot of finals in the last years. Uh, in fact, uh, they have uh, we have lost four finals in the last 13 months, but wow. this is a this is a very a very successful period in our history. Maybe we haven't had the titles, but definitely we are we have been very close to winning them. So mm. I think that we have to take the positives. Absolutely, that means you've been in five finals in in, in a similar period of time, which is extraordinary stuff. I must admit, when I did see Nico Williams taking off uh, the the medal, I wondered if it was in any way because he felt a little bit uncomfortable with the with all the Saudiness of it. I don't know if uh, I don't know if. I would go that far. I think okay. that uh, I, he, he, he was just probably uh, not happy with having lost the final, really. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, right. How many years is it now that this has been in, in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia? Is it two years? Uh, well, 
it would have been three. Uh, we yeah. haven't had COVID-19. Uh, mm. Yeah, because uh, last year uh, we had to play it in Sevilla. But this all started in January 2020. And uh, it was a little bit pitiful, I would say, and inexplicable that Rubiales, the chairman of Spanish FA, uh, told to Cadena Ser uh, last Thursday that uh, bringing the, the Spanish Super Cup to Saudi Arabia was a step forward the integration of women um, in society. Because I think the next question by the reporter should have been why, and that question never came. So right. why is that uh, a step forward, um, you know, for the women's rights and all that. So yeah, uh, we have been playing it in Saudi Arabia and uh, we're going to keep on playing it in Saudi Arabia. And with the current format, uh, pretty much is guaranteed that Real Madrid and Barcelona will be playing it always, every single year, because right. uh, four teams are qualified and uh, Real like Madrid Super and Barcelona... League. Yeah, we yeah, were wondering, like James that, yeah. and I, if you're going to introduce a, a group stage maybe before the, the semi-finals of the Super Cup. Something yeah, to consider, but, maybe. But uh, to, be, to be honest with you, without, without this format, we wouldn't have won it uh, last year. So right. I, I, okay. I don't like this All format. Right. Uh, ah, so you like the Saudis now, yeah. No, from the genesis, for, from the beginning of it, I was uh, opposed to the format. Right. But the truth is that we have won a tournament thanks to this yeah. format. And also, <laughs> yeah, what, what can I, what can I say? <laughs> Thank you, Saudi Arabia. Thank you, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> or, the, or, 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 or the Spanish FA for, for uh, yeah. creating a tournament like this. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, using the Super Cup as a sports washing exercise for a vile, repressive regime. It wasn't even the biggest cup controversy this week in Spain, was it, Alvaro? Because that honour goes to the Copa del Rey derby in the last 16 between Betis and Sevilla. Wow. Okay, first off, a couple of incredible goals to get this game underway. Amazing atmosphere there at Betis's uh, Benito Villamarín Stadium. Uh, Papu Gomez. Oh, we miss him. But uh, he didn't miss. Incredible hit to give Sevilla the lead away at their rivals. And then, how about Betis's uh, equaliser? It was extraordinary. It was Nabil Fekir who scored it. It was a goal olimpico because he scored it from a corner kick. You know that it's called goal olimpico because um, Cesario Onzari, the Argentinian player in 1924, scored a goal from a corner kick against the current Olympic champions, Uruguay. Mm. And Fekir scored a beautiful beautiful one. He's probably the best left foot in La Liga now that Messi's gone. And uh, he's been doing things like this day in, day out in La Liga. Um, he's been very impressive for Betis and uh, well done to Betis for having extended his contract uh, for many years. I think until he's going to stay there for three, four more years, definitely, if he if he's uh, spending the length of his contract at Sevilla. So well done for the team. And yes, mm. then after the goal of uh, Fekir, then all the controversy happened and it was right. very, very sad to see that. Sevilla's Juan Jordan then gets hit on the head by, how would you describe it? A little bit of PVC, a little bit of kind of plastic piping? Yeah, it was the the, the plastic stick that holds the, you know, ah. the supporting flag. Thrown by uh, by one of the Bessis fans, presumably, from, from the stands, and the game gets suspended until the next day. Yeah, I think that the game should have been given to Sevilla, to be honest. I think that it shouldn't have been played on Sunday because... You know, it doesn't matter how bad the heat is for Joan Jordan, and this is totally mm. subjective because uh, from outside it looks like it's not a big, a big one. At the end of the day, it's a piece of uh, plastic and it's a hollow uh, stick. But uh, who knows? Uh, Joan Jordan apparently didn't feel too good uh, minutes after he, get, uh, he got that heat. He went to the hospital on Saturday after the game, and um, 
que vos diagnosticáis con small concussion, traumatismo craneo encefálico, o es called in Spanish, es like a small concussion, probably es nothing big, but still, eh, anquistensión was quite high, eh, according to the medical report, meaning His that probably blood pressure. He, yeah, blood pressure, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he went uh, through a, a pressurizing moment, uh, definitely. So my whole point here is that the, the game was rightly suspended, Probably when something gets thrown at the pitch, the players have to leave. That's the safest thing to do. Uh, because from the moment that something gets thrown on the pitch, um, the player doesn't feel safe. Doesn't feel safe, cannot probably exert their activity to the fullest because, you know, there is hostility coming from the stands towards you. So my point here is that the game should have never been played again. Mm. The victory should have been for Sevilla because Sevilla couldn't line up Joan Jordan the day after and this already distorts a little bit the competitiveness of this game and uh, everything that happened after the game, the way Sevilla and Betis handled that was a little bit disgusting too. I mean, uh, Lopetegui spoke on Sunday, he was very angry at the Betis fans, he was very angry at Betis the club. Mm. Uh, he did a very unfortunate analogy, um, saying that we can't be sensitive with sexual offenses to women, but not with this. Um, I mean, I see the point that we have to be sensitive to uh, a player getting hit, but uh, that analogy probably was totally out of order. Then there is a video caption of the business director of Betis, just uh, mimicking your Jordan uh, with his mates in the street. Uh, Guardado, probably you, you have seen this video, the Mexican player who is 34 or 33 already. He was uh, doing a bottle pantomime just to, yeah. to so, mock. I mean, just to say for anyone who didn't, the game was restarted from the 39th minute yeah. and Betis then uh, take the lead uh, through Sergio Canales and in the celebration of that goal, which eventually gave them the win, uh, Andres Guardado um, throws a plastic bottle against his own head and then pretends to faint. Yeah, exactly. That's what Guardado did. And Guardado has been playing football for over a decade in Spain. So, you know, if anyone should uh, set an example, it's a player like him, who I believe that he is kind of involved as well in, uh, in charities and uh, he's got also like a, a very good human profile, I would say, but I don't understand why the Mexican player did that, or I do understand why, but I think that it was totally out of order as well. Then mm. Camarasa and Tello in social media, they were condemning the incident, yes, but they were raising suspicions about uh, Jordan's integrity, if he was uh, maybe acting, you know. So all that was totally unnecessary. Betis went through because Canales scored the winning goal for Betis on Sunday, 24 hours after the game started. And mm -hmm. yeah, Betis went through, but this leaves a very bad precedent because we have seen games being suspended for various reasons. And maybe this game should have been cancelled and given to Sevilla because, uh, you know, someone at Betis uh, stands just uh, made this game unsafe. And uh, Sevilla ultimately was probably the, the team that suffered most from it. I see. Well, yes, yeah, so they go out of the Copa del Rey. Uh, there's uh, more matches coming up in that competition, uh, one of which indeed sees your athletic club de Bilbao hosting Barcelona again. I think that Barcelona saw a really good image against Real Madrid. Not enough to beat Real Madrid, but uh, the game went to the extra time. And you can see that there is an improvement there and some positives, like, for example, Ansu Fati coming back, Pedri coming mm -hmm. back. They both didn't look too sharp, but Ansu Fati scored and Pedri played very well the 40-45 minutes that he played. And uh, Athletic Club Bilbao, they just have to believe that 
you know, reaching another final is possible. I think that the winning mentality is the key here. I mean, you have to move forward. You know that you beat Atletico de Madrid. You know that you lost against Real Madrid, not in a bad fashion. And Barcelona is kind of doable. So why not to think that Atletico Bilbao can go through? Absolutely. Well, it's Thursday that they face the Catalans. Uh, also that day, Elche will be playing Real Madrid. And on Wednesday, Atletico Madrid face Real Sociedad for a place in the quarterfinals. Ooh. Next up, let's hear about the Bundesliga. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Jetzt muss er, jetzt Bellingham setzt sich durch, geht alleine durch, spielt aber auf Haaland, Haaland, Haaland! Haaland! 45. Minute, 3 zu 0. All right, listener, joining us now on the line from Berlin is Christoph Beermann, reporter for magazine Elfrunde and also a war-winning football writer. Uh, uh, Christoph, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Not at all, not at all. Uh, a lot, as ever, to talk about from the Bundesliga this weekend. You've got another massive win for Dortmund, some pretty spicy post-game remarks from Erling Haaland. Bayern bouncing back from their defeat to Gladbach a week ago uh, to keep the gap at six points. Also, Union Berlin uh, knocking on the door of the top four. Crikey, what, what do you want to hit us with? Uh, maybe we, we, we should, should uh, talk about Erling Haaland first. Um, mm. I mean, you, you already said it. He, he made some remarks that surprised uh, the bosses at Borussia Dortmund a bit. Um, they... Um, pretended not to be too irritated about him saying that he felt uh, under pressure. So he gave a, a post-match interview to Jan Orge Fjortoft for Norwegian TV. I think some of the listeners might remember Jan Orge from his time with Swindon, Middlesbrough, Sheffield United and Barnsley and he is now working for Norwegian TV and he is, he is always or very often around Borussia Dortmund games and he was um, interviewing Haaland about his uh, future. I think uh, everybody wants, uh, wants to know uh, what's going on with him and then he was saying yeah he, he, he felt a bit under pressure from uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund and uh, Borussia tried to, to play it down a bit uh, understandably and um, uh, yeah but but that's uh, the big discussion will he stay will he go towards the end of the season who wants him and so on mm, I mean it, it's been a talking point for a while I kind of assumed he'd be moving on to the end of the season and him taking this kind of position publicly suggests that, that that's his thinking as well yeah, I, I, he, he was saying that he needs to be kind of free in his head uh, to play proper football. And uh, I think that's very often the situation when, when, when players um, um, have the feeling or, or they need to decide about, about their future. 
and and men I mean still he is he's a, a very young guy everybody is after him and uh, Borussia has to make their plans for the future so so if he uh, if he's leaving in summer uh, they need a replacement and so on so so it's a bit of a complicated situation fair enough he scored a couple of goals one of which was an absolute peach with the assist there from Jude Bellingham and then lashed in by Erling. Uh, and uh, Dortmund, as we mentioned, with a 5-1 win over Freiburg. Uh, that was on Friday. And then uh, by Munich, uh, though keeping uh, Dortmund at bay with a 4-0 win over Köln. And I can only apologise for my pronunciation of that that club. But <laughs> 4-0 over Köln. Uh, that's a, that's a, 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 a very good Köln. Yep. It's, it's ah, almost perfect. Christ, Come on, Christoph. <laughs> tell him that you know when he makes a mistake. Tell him. Right. <laughs> no, it's Köln. No, it, it's it's, yeah. it's great. <laughs> Wait so, until he uh, says Billefield. You see. <laughs> <laughs> We're not mentioning them this week. A hat trick for Robert Lewandowski. That's how it's pronounced. Who's now only the second player to score 300 Bundesliga goals ever after Gerd Müller. Of course, uh, Bayern looking good in that game. Yeah, they they looked excellent. So I mean, we're we're desperately waiting for for something like a title race in in Germany. So it's still only a, a, a six point gap between uh, Bayern and Borussia Dortmund. But actually, nobody here has uh, the the impression. Some of us at least have the hope. Uh, that this gap will narrow over coming weeks, but nobody's expecting it. I mean, um, the defeat from Bayern against Borussia Mönchengladbach a week ago had to do with 13 players missing and 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 uh, Nagelsmann had to bring on a 16-year-old player and, and so on. And even then, Bayern was pretty unlucky. And uh, how good they are, you could see in, uh, when they were playing in Cologne. Mm. I noticed that Köln manager uh, Stefan Baumgart uh, actually got uh, Manuel Neuer's shirt and he did a swapsie with a with a Köln cap. Uh, that's that kind of thing is is frowned on by some folk. But were, were people okay with the the Köln manager getting Manuel Neuer's jersey? Yeah, he he's so popular in in Cologne because he he's a real character and and uh, everybody in football loved these kind of ties, but especially in Cologne, um, uh, they had some some crazy managers over the years, uh, Evalin, for example, or uh, Christoph Daum, and being all all of them being a bit eccentric, and mm. um, also Steffen Baumgart is a, a bit eccentric because he was not only wearing. A, a cologne hat. It was a kind of his special um, merchandise item. So it was produced for him, and you could buy it in the um, in the club shop, uh, or you could buy it because actually it sold out. Uh, so very popular, and wow. so uh, Manuel Neuer was very happy to get one of these rare uh, things. Brilliant stuff. All right, well, you're in Berlin, Christoph. So uh, should we finish with a quick word on the extraordinary Union uh, Berlin, who are now only goal difference outside the uh, Champions League places after their 2-1 win away at Hoffenheim at the weekend? 
Um, yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I was talking to, to one of the members of the coaching staff and, and uh, after, after the match and uh, saying, ah, yeah, you're on your way to the Champions League right now. Uh, because at that time, Saturday, before uh, Leverkusen uh, played on, on, on Sunday, they were even on fourth place. And he was saying, uh, no, no, we don't even know how to write Champions League. And Urs Fischer, the, the head coach, is, is still saying, no, no, we are, we are in a relegation fight. We, we, we need to get uh, 40 points to avoid relegation. So uh, that's their, their mind frame, actually. Um, they looking pretty stable um, over the whole season. And interestingly... During the week, they sold one of their key players, Marvin Friedrich, defender to uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And um, you, you couldn't even uh, feel it that one of these, uh, such an important player is not uh, anymore with the team. So uh, it's a terrific job um, that everybody is doing at Union Berlin right now. Mm. Their top scorers away at the Cup of Nations. At the moment, yes. And this is a, a club that was in Bundesliga Spy, what, a couple of seasons ago? Yeah, the, it's only their third ever uh, uh, Bundesliga season at all. I mean, I was I was uh, in in the in the happy situation or a lucky situation that I uh, followed uh, them from inside for their first ever Bundesliga season to write a book about it. So mm. I was traveling with the team. I was in with the uh, team sessions and so on. So I. Uh, I, I think I have a very good Im impression how Urs Fischer and his team uh, is working and, and how, how the club is. And, um, and they, it, it's an interesting mix of um, uh, fantastic managerial uh, qualities uh, they're having. Um, there's a special atmosphere uh, uh, around the club, a very uh, a special tightness with everybody, with the supporters, with the players, uh, with the staff, with the, uh, with the club around them. And um, they're getting better every season, uh, astonishingly, although they are still have limited means if you if you compare them to the rest of the league so normally uh, when you look at their finances they should be in the lower third but now they're in the top third so for me it's the again the team of the season mm. was there a bit of a vacuum uh, for a successful club in, in berlin <laughs> Don't tell that any Hertha supporter. Right. Um, Union is, is a club that that has its catchment area mainly in the east of Germany, uh, in the east of Berlin, with this uh, history, with this GDR history, and um, Hertha obviously is the big club playing in the um, Olympic Stadium. Uh, I mean, now, now all the stadiums are more or less empty in Germany because of the COVID situation, but they have a stadium for 80,000 people. They have been champion, I mean, many years ago, but still um, the club that should be great in Berlin historically and from, from the given circumstances is Hertha and not Union. And so um, uh, what they are doing is even more surprisingly. Mm, Herter uh, at the moment down in 13th place, only four points off the drop. So, yeah, 
Interesting times, those in Berlin. Christoph, uh, thank you so much uh, for all of that. And uh, many, many thanks. Uh, we look forward to catching up with you again soon on the Totally Football Show. Great. Cheers. Bye. Christoph Beermann, and you can read more of Christoph Beermann's uh, thoughts on the Bundesliga, if you speak German, in Elfa Fronde. Ha! Next up, we're off to Italy. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line. We're talking to Arsenal fan Dave about his New Year's resolutions. How's the 10,000 steps going, Dave? Yeah, it's going great, thanks. The 50 push-ups? Every day. And how about moaning less about Arsenal? Oh, seriously, mate, we need to sign a new midfielder if we want top four. And don't get me started on Liverpool postponing that. Being a football fan isn't always rewarding. But if it's rewards you're after, you can get money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pretty much online bet builder bets only. Min odds one to five per leg. Min four plus legs. Max free bet £10 per day. Excludes enhanced match odds. Season season apply. 18 plus we're sponsored for this episode of the totally football show by shopify shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person pos system wherever and whatever you're selling shopify has got you covered Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Midway through round 22, because it's Monday afternoon for us, listener, and you've got three big games coming up today. Featuring Napoli, Milan and Fiorentina and Genoa. Genoa, who, oh my word, they did it, James. They killed Sheva. They killed Bambi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if you look at, at Genoa's history, they love sacking managers. However, they did change owners and you thought, this isn't a club turning over a new leaf. Mm. Uh, they've given him a, a three-year contract. They promised uh, that... When it comes to the January transfer window, uh, they'll recruit for a new system for him. And two weeks into the January transfer window, they've sacked him. Um, so, I mean, look, he was appointed um, because they had a really difficult run of games coming up. And they believe that with Ukraine, um, he'd got uh, results against uh, superior sides. And that's exactly what uh, Genoa needed at that time. However... It's, what, nine league games, no wins. And I think as much as you can say, OK, Sheva, um, losing to Juventus, losing to Milan, uh, yeah, losing to the top sides, that's fine. I think what did for him was losing to Spezia. Spezia, who, yeah, I think a lot of people expected to maybe even finish bottom um, mm. this season because Vincenzo Italiano went to Fiorentina uh, late in the summer um, and they have a bunch of no-name players. And instead, that win was really important. And 
and kind of pulled them away. So mm. uh, Sheva already out. I don't think it helped that the new owners appointed a sporting director after uh, appointing um, Sheva, who is uh, now looks like he's going to be bringing in a German coach with Italian heritage, Bruno Labbadia, on the basis that uh, he's kept teams up um, in, uh, in, in in a short period of, of time before. But um, yeah, feel sorry for Sheva. Of course. Genoa currently lying second last in City, has six points from safety. Their neighbours, Sampdoria, are only four points above the drop themselves in 15th place. And they also did their manager, Roberto D'Aversa, for the second time this season. The first time they, the, the owner kind of went back on it. You told us that story before. And this is this weekend, was something similar happening? Because the, the word came out that D'Aversa had been fired, but then they couldn't make the reach an agreement with his successor. So now where, where do we stand with, with Sam Doria? Well, th- this this also happened just down, down the road in Spezia as well, in that mm. um, Spezia, who their sporting director used to be at Samp, um, basically thought, oh, we used to have Marco Giampaolo, he was a good coach when it came to developing young players, just not at Milan, uh, just not at Torino, but it worked for him at Sampdoria. Let's try and appoint him because the players don't get on with Thiago Motta and they couldn't reach an agreement and so Thiago Motta stayed in charge. And, uh, you know, at Samp over the last over the last weekend, it's, oh, shall we get, get Giampaolo in until the end of the season? Then maybe give him an, an option. Um, I think he's still on, on, on the payroll at Torino, but... Poor old Diverso, who's as, as we mentioned before, knows that you know, the club interviewed Dejan Stankovic in the past, and they've been talking to Giampaolo now. I mean, it's uh, it's it's not a great show of confidence in, in in your work. Indeed, not. All right, so dark times in Genoa. Uh, up at the top of the table, meanwhile, there's one of uh, one of those kind of rarities in European football: an actual title race. By the time you hear this, Milan might well have retaken the lead from Inter. Uh, Inter had a nil-nil draw Sunday evening away at Atalanta. Milan, who are currently two points behind them, will be playing against that Spezia side Monday afternoon. Bologna also taking on Napoli, who are third currently. And Fiorentina, meanwhile, as mentioned a bit later on, will be up against Genoa. What about Atalanta's goalless draw with Inter interrupting uh, the Nerazzurri's or... Simone Inzaghi's side, eight-match winning streak in Serie A. Yeah, and they'd scored in, I think, their last 39 games mm. uh, as well. Um, I think what was interesting about this game was that Atalanta changed how they, uh, not how they play, but their setup. You know, they were playing a kind of 4-1-4-1 rather than a 3-4-2-1, um, you know, where they usually have a couple of playmakers behind Zapata or Muriel. Instead, they had, you know, kind of a line of four central midfield players and then another midfield player behind them. Um, but, uh, you know, as much as you could point to that and say that was a reason why we didn't have any goals, the reason why we didn't have any goals was the two goalkeepers, Sami Handanovic and uh, Fuan Musa, who who were excellent uh, in, in keeping out, uh, what, Pasalic, keeping out uh, D'Ambrosio right at the end. Dzeko. Um, Dzeko. <laughs> I think Dzeko did, did his own... Um, uh, sort of to to ensure that the the game was nil nil because I think most of his chances went over or wide. But you know I think this in the papers this morning in in, in Italy uh, Monday morning uh, celebrated as a kind of uh, a great game in the way that nil nils were once celebrated. In, right, in, in the perfect as, game. As, as, as the the perfect game. Um, mm. So balanced, but also I think from a tactical point of view, there was a feeling that 
yeah, these are the two, I think, along with Milan, best coach sides in the league. Um, and there's lots of interchanges of position, fluidity. Inter's build-up play in, in, in phases was, was just very, very slick. Um, and so, yeah, kind of the best of City. Even if, if it wasn't, uh, I suppose, for people who were like a lot of goals, the best right. spectacle. Yeah, I mean, but people like that. <laughs> who are they anyway? Yeah. Who are they anyway? Yeah. Uh, no, but I think, you know, one one for the aficionados. Uh, Milan anyway, yeah. as I mentioned, with the chance to take a one-point lead if they can win against Spezia on Monday. And it's really interesting because Milan's next two games are against Juventus next Sunday. And then after that, it's the derby with Inter. So... Oh my word! It's it's kind of just crazy that Serie has decided to oh we'll we'll, we'll do a different calendar this year, um, and 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 so all the big games um, are in January and early February, and it, like the end of the season it's just going to be like okay, Juventus Spezia um, could be huge though those matches. Those oh no, I of quite, course I quite like it because these games are big whenever you play them. But games like Inter Venezia can become huge at the end of the season. But January maybe maybe not so much. Anyway, any game with Venezia right now is huge because they've got Nanny in Nanny who signed for them last week. Tremendous move this one, and uh, immediately <laughs> came on and, uh, and and set up an equaliser for the uh, uh, struggling Lagunas. TM James Horncastle. Uh, I enjoyed you. Uh, you. you that pun was intended nanny nanny being huge for them correct you know na- no. nanny in, in in italian means dwarf oh small yeah. like a dwarf right yeah, no smalls, yeah. In yeah no no like nanotech no no that wasn't that was just kind no. of but i, I mean in italy there's often mm. calls for i mean when he played for lazio they wanted him to wear the number 7 on the back of his shirt so it's seven right. dwarfs didn't seven it? dwarfs um, <laughs> so. right but yeah That's so bad Um, yeah Venezia and their eclectic signings Um, they they brought in uh, Cuisance from uh, from Bayern Uh, Sergio Romero in the winter when their goalkeepers were injured he was a free agent Um, yeah it's just kind of quite interesting what's going on there Mm. Um, so uh, yeah Okareki Okareki with the the equaliser and yeah yeah, so let, let's see what the rest of the transfer window holds. Eh? Exactly. They're two points above the drop at the moment, Venezia, in 17th place. Uh, quick question to finish off for now, then. Are Inter going to sign Dybala at the end of the season? Because they, they've kind of come out openly and talked about it now. Well, Inter did come out and talk about it and saying, how dare you ask such a disrespectful question? <laughs> um, I thought Morata had said... Up. No, did he not? Well, there was a little bit of mischief in it, but um, oh, okay. I don't. I don't think it was him acknowledging or declaring that okay. yes, we we are going to be making a move to San Paolo di Bala. However, of course, we are getting to the stage when clubs can uh, mm. talk to and even sign players who are, in, uh, are reaching the end of their contract. I mean, Inter, for example, have already uh, had Andrea Onana, the Ajax goalkeeper, over for a medical. Look, these reports about Inter came out, uh, linking them with Dybala, um, in part because there's some past precedent, but also because who played last midweek? Inter and Juventus in the Super right. Cup. And, 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 and that what would make a, a bigger front page headline than, than Dybala um, going to Inter? Um, I think at the moment the story is entirely between Dybala and Juventus and, and the apparent frostiness um, that there is 
after a lot of hard work had gone into coming to an agreement, um, something one that satisfied uh, Dybala. And uh, yeah, it's taken taken a long time. I mean, even even last year we were talking about it. Um, his agent uh, has been in Argentina. Obviously, hasn't been able to uh, travel because of restrictions. He's not an agent in the first place. He's a used car salesman, um, and so uh, that's held things up because you know you have to go through all these bureaucratic processes to show that you are in fact representing the player and you are qualified to do that and then in the meantime Paolo gets injured um, mm. and I think legitimately um, mm. Juventus look at it and say okay 10 million a year until 2026 you're 28 you missed a half of last season you've missed a half of this season is this the best financial decision um, so that's where we are but obviously uh, a player who did look very much like he was staying at Juventus there's now uncertainty. Um, who knows? Maybe Toronto will come in and decide. Maybe. I, I don't think they can do this because of designated player things. But um, all of a sudden, yeah, it feels like Dybala is in play. Wow. Incredible. I'm just, just curious, though, uh, whether that's about as bad a position, a starting point psychologically that you could have if you're, if you're negotiating with Juve and the Agnelli family, the biggest car manufacturers kind of around, and you're a used car salesman. I mean, how, how you must feel sitting down at the table with those people. Like, what the look in their eyes. Really. Or, or yeah. use it to his advantage. Remember what? that year where I sold the million Fiat? Yeah. Just for you? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we open up a Fiat car dealership in Cordoba, (laughs) Argentina? You can run it. We'll we'll send you all the pandas, the cinquecentos you need. Um, Let's just get this done. Very nice. (laughs) One question before we go. Sorry, Jules. And maybe you've got a take on this, an Alvaro too. I'd be curious. Chiro Immobile, uh, back on top of the scoring charts in Italy, scored 17 in 18 appearances. Pretty good, no? So he's on course to become Capo Cananieri, top scorer in Italy for the fourth time. Put that in perspective, Beppe Signori only did it three times. Mark, how many times was Marco Van Basten top scorer? I don't think more than three, was he? Anyway, but just even no. to be in that conversation, Chino Immobile, no question, the numbers don't lie. The guy can score goals. But as I was saying to James on Sunday, most Italy fans live in dread of the thought of him leading the line for the Azzurri, say, for example, come the World Cup playoffs in, in, in March. Is Chiro Mobley any good? Just a quick straw poll. Alvaro. I think he's good enough, uh, but I don't think that he's a top uh, striker. I wouldn't How? put him among... I'm sorry, what? I, I wouldn't... How does he score him. so many goals, though? That's what I can't work out. Yeah, but, uh, OK, maybe at league level, yeah, but I don't remember him having, like, a... a Terrific night in the Champions League ever, ever. Maybe last year in the group stage with Lazio, uh, but it wasn't that big either. Uh, no, I don't think that he has been like the focal point in any big European night. So I would say that he's very consistent, yes, but uh, he doesn't have the star material that some other players have. And right. on top of that, I think that he's a bit, little bit limited when it comes to his technical ability. Right. My opinion. He's- yeah, and there's certain clubs where he's been where he hasn't done anything at Dortmund. all. Sevilla. Yeah, and, and Dortmund, yeah. Uh, Torino and Lazio, yeah. Uh, Jules, what do you think? I think he's a great goal scorer. I think you can be a great goal scorer and don't have to be a world-class player as well. The two okay. is different. Yeah, yeah. In terms of finishing and the eye for goal and the sense of goal and the awareness was around him and everything, I think he's wonderful. Maybe if he'd been in a club that played more in the Champions League and 
suddenly with Lazio, there was limitations in the champ. You know, you, you can't play the Champions League if the club doesn't qualify for it. I don't think when he played last season, for example, or the season before, was it with Lazio in the Champions League? I don't think he looked like mm. out of place at all. Mm. Uh, but nine think- nine goals in eleven Champions League games in in a bit across exactly. from Dortmund and Lazio. And I just, I just think that we will never know had he joined a, a bigger club like a Juve or something like that, uh, if if he would have made the same similar numbers and stuff. But I think he has to be right now one of the best goal scorers, proper strikers in in world football. James, yeah, I I, I agree, and the consistency to do it uh, year on year. Um, I think it's six straight years he's been in double figures. You think of some of the other strikers who've been in Serie A in that time, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo Lukaku, he's beaten them to Capocannonieri crowns. He's done it on on a team that is uh, not as good as as those guys as well. Um, yeah, Simone Inzaghi's Lazio, very well coached, had some interesting players, but not the supporting cast that Juventus uh, gave Ronaldo or um, Inter gave Lukaku. And, you know, you, uh, I think players like this need to be celebrated because... You know, when you're at a club like that, which hadn't been in the Champions League since 2000, hadn't qualified for the knockout stages in 13 years, hadn't won anything for uh, for quite some time. Um, yeah, he's been in a couple of cup finals, won the cup, uh, he's won the Super Cup, and yeah, you can turn your nose up at that, but that's ultimately beating Juventus and a good Juventus um, at that time. Um, and yeah, 36 goals in a calendar year. Not in a calendar year, in a season. I mean, the numbers, there's no arguing with them. And yet, if you see the team sheet for Italy's World Cup playoff and he's there in the starting lineup, how happy are you going to be about that? How worried are you going to be about that, James? Well, exactly. I was more worried when I was more worried when he, uh, he didn't start the, the World Cup uh, qualifier uh, games, which ultimately uh, ended right. up with... Italy not qualifying. So yeah. better to have him in the team than not, I would say. All right, then. Well, there you go. That was our little chat. Maybe it could be a new feature, hero or zero. Cheero. <laughs> if you've got a player... Yeah, None of them, really. If you've got a player that you would like us to debate, and as long as their name rhymes with hero or zero, we can do that in future weeks. Sorry, Alvaro. Hero or Chiro? <laughs> Hero or Chiro? For, for, for me, he's not a zero. But Chiro no. uh, hasn't shown uh, the capacity to adapt to some other context. That's right. important too. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, Alvaro. Yeah, but I, I, I think he has. He won one of his Capo Calinieri, uh, he won when he was with Torino, right? Yep. He got into, 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 into Europe for the first time since the beginning of the 1990s. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's done this now playing under lots of different coaches. Yeah, so Giampiero Ventura, I mean, he's done it under Simone Inzaghi, and now he's done it under Maurizio Sarri. And Maurizio Sarri's completely changed the system away from playing, what, 3 what, 5 What do you think it is? That? Why, do you, why is it people like me don't see it? Is it because he looks a bit slow, if you know what I mean? I mean, when you look at it, he doesn't look the bright. Is that what it is? He just looks a bit confused <laughs> by life. Isn't he like in a spark? A little bit. Yeah, Some other I, I strikers so. like Ravanelli, for you know. example, they weren't any better than him, but they no, were Maybe there, that's why the difference is. Maybe yeah. between the greatest and really good players like him, yeah. some, some of the best are what they're doing, but maybe not thinking as much as others or mm. not having the same intelligence or football IQ. Maybe that's what the, makes the difference. Maybe. Anyway, there you go. Next up, he's bided his time. He's bitten his tongue. He's, he's kept his counsel. Time for Julian Laurence to unleash... <laughs> Some league uh, on us. 
We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which will come in handy when Mikel Arteta finally bends the process altogether. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Other T's and C's apply. And please, gamble responsibly. All right, PSG won after back-to-back draws. Got a win this time round over Brest. Uh, they're 11 points clear of Nice, Paris. Uh, 13 points clear of Marseille. In fourth place, who's this? Rennes. Yeah. And, oh my word, you mentioned it at the top. 6-0 victory over Bordeaux. Wow. I mean, Bordeaux are shambles. They, but they're Rennes. exploding. But Rennes, who had gone through a, a bad patch, really, mm. where they were not winning, they were not playing as good as they were uh, between September, really, and beginning of November, when they had this that incredible run of what, 13 games. I think they had 13 wins in a row at some point, beating PSG. Two they looked really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. And then I think they got a bit tired. The key players were not maybe as good as or efficient as before. Uh, but... Wow, they came back so well at the weekend. Um, again, the fact that Bordeaux are imploding within is not helping them. They had a player sent off straight after the start of the second half, which didn't help again. And like I said, within the dressing room, there's a lot of uh, things happening, like Laurent Koscielny being expelled from the first team, from first team squad, from the dressing room. So there's there's so many things going so wrong. So what was behind that? Was that wages or had he kind of refused to do something or, or what was behind it? No, he'd, had, he'd been injured and they said that he was not doing his job as captain, that the atti- his attitude was not right. Uh, for example, there was a lot of rumours of how much he liked his wine and a bit too much. And I think the club used that against him, uh, which he, he openly admits that he loves the I mean, he's at wine Bordeaux. and he's in a... Yeah, exactly. And yeah. if now and again with his family, he enjoys a, uh, a dinner with good wine, doesn't mean he's a bad professional or that he doesn't mm. want to do his job properly. But yeah, certainly the wages played a big part because he's on a lot of money and he, he was not playing because of his injuries. So I think maybe they felt, let's do something big within the dressing room that can get us like a bounce, for example. Uh, but that hasn't really worked out. He actually backfired. So they lost to Marseille, remember, for the first time in 44 mm. years at home the weekend before. And now that 6 0 win, I don't know if Petkovic will will stay in charge. It would cost them a lot of money to sack him after just six months in the job. 
but there's certainly a lot of things not working. Like you said in the intro, we've got Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux, two of the most historical clubs in the country, looking like they're going to go down. Yeah. Of the six goals, I was particularly impressed by uh, the free kick by Benjamin Beauregard. And, and crikey, that's his fourth direct free kick in a row that he's, that he's yeah. scored on. Yeah, yeah, he's very good at it. He's a bit like your Cheapers. James Ward-Prowse. In, uh, the, in I England. mean, this was, and I, I hesitate to use probably the most famous free kick uh, of recent footballing history. Well, one of them, the Roberto Carlos Le Tournois yeah. strike. I mean, it's very much like that, this one here. Yeah, yeah. It goes way out and then swags its way back in. It does, and, but he can, he can hit them in very different um, ways. He's, he's really good. He can play wide. He can play more centrally in midfield. He's a very hardworking player who has a lot of energy and runs a lot. And I think they needed that kind of performance from the whole team, and they were really up for it. I think they could smell blood, to be fair, mm. before kickoff. Uh, and we, we saw, again, the Laborde and Terrier partnership being really good. We saw Gerasi coming on and scoring two goals. So Jeremy Doku as well, who started and, and did well. So yeah, they were they were really good and well helped by the fact that Bordeaux were atrocious. Absolutely. All right. Also this weekend, Monaco under their new manager Philippe Clement got a four 0 win over Clermont, which is almost yeah. Uh, anyway, so there you go. I was expecting the joke between Clermont and Clermont, but ah. did not find one. Right. <laughs> It was good. It was good. Wissam Ben Yedder came on at halftime and, and was very good in the second half. He had COVID. He was not fully fit to start, but it's good. They could have scored easily six or seven. Mm. Uh, and I think you saw a little bit already of what Clément is trying to do in terms of possession, the movement and all of that. So very, very positive win for them. And they keep climbing up in the table. The, the race for second to six yep. should be quite interesting, really, because PSG are, I think, too far now from, for everybody, especially if for Marseille, who still have a game in hand, but hmm. they dropped points against Lille in the big game on Sunday night, despite playing for an hour, 11 against 10. Um, but in goal, I think Gerbich did, did a lot of good things for Lille, and that's, that's how they, they kept the draw. All right. Marco, meanwhile, moving up to fifth place. Very nice. Clément against Clément. Very, very, I, was, I was still trying to work on something with Ren and Stumpy for that Bordeaux game, but uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing... All right. Anything else we should know about Liga, Jules? Only Seko Fofana, who scored another oh, yeah. amazing goal to give a win to Lens. I can't believe Burnley thought they could try and come and steal him from us just for 17 million euros as well. Come on, Burnley, you should know better. He's just amazing and he's had an incredible what, last 10 days with winning goals there and there, fantastic strikes. And he's just, he's just an incredible player and still quite young. He's only 26 years old. He's got an amazing future. I... I can't believe, again, that Udinese let him go for 10 million. I can't believe that Lance were really the only one to go for him at that price. And now I can't believe only Burnley, really. After him, I expect much, much bigger clubs in the summer to try to come and get him. Mm. Well, still a couple of weeks left in this January transfer window, of course. So we'll see if uh, there are other moves for Fofana. Uh, But uh, as it stands, there you go. We reached the end of today's Totally Football Show European edition. Sure looks that way. Anything you guys want to add, Alvaro, James, Julien? Is it tonight the FIFA Awards? Ah, that's true. The best. But the anyway, best. that's tonight, yeah. Um, Will they have an award called Hero or oh, Churro? <laughs> that's, that's TM, FIFA. That's TM. You can't touch that. <laughs> that's totally... You know, we can talk about it. But, uh Okay. Uh, yes, that is Monday night and will have happened by the time anybody hears this, Jules. 
for what it's worth. We'll be back next Monday, Tuesday with another roundup of all the big stories around the continent. So make sure you join us for that, listener. For now, many thanks to Alvaro, James, to Julien, to Christophe earlier, and to producer Charlie, and yourself, why not? And uh, we'll catch up with you in seven days' time. Cheerio. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.